Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every day. 2 to 4 p.m. live. If you can't listen live, you're busy, you got work, you're at happy hour, or you're just with someone and you got to get business done, it's all good. You can always listen to it on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified whenever a new show is uploaded. You can find me, ScoutFantasySports.com. On Twitter, at Adam Ronis, on the gram, at Aaron88, as we are a day away from baseball. And I know some of you still have drafts tonight. I do myself. Got a draft coming up at 7 p.m. Eastern, NFBC Online League. So there's still time to get those rankings. That last year finished number two. I was number two, according to the Fantasy Pros draft accuracy rankings. So... Made more updates, obviously, with the news of Fernando Tatis. Made some adjustments there. Steven Sousa being out for the year. So uh, some final tweaks being made if you do have a draft. Maybe even have a draft over the weekend. People are still drafting, even with the season beginning. So we got you covered there. And I make sure to post as many updates as possible. And if you guys ever see anything that is a mistake, you could always alert me on the message board. It happens. Uh, the system we use sometimes, if I put the same number Next to two players, one gets bumped out, so people have alerted me in the past, so I appreciate that. You can ask your questions on the message boards in the forums anytime you want. Uh, questions specifically catered to your league, and if you use the promo code BETS50, you get 50% off your first two months. I have an article up today looking at players whose stock have risen, whether they won a job or made the roster, or maybe we didn't think they were going to have the role that they had. So uh, those are discussed. You can check that article out now. Dr. Otto has his fantasy baseball outfield stock watch. And a very good article from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around, and will join me in the next segment, talking about free agent bidding strategy, which is very important. And a lot of times, too, if you're ahead of the curve, you know, you can sneak in players for a few bucks, you know, two, three weeks before they really become mainstream and go for, you know, three-figure uh, a bit so it's very important and you know you can always look ahead and try and project out the two start pitchers as well uh i'll ha- usually have an article on that on the weekend as well getting you set up before you go into your fab so plenty of content there i did a ton of player profiles and obviously we'll get into our in-season content over the next couple days so not too late to become a member. We'll get you through the season. Maybe you missed out and you didn't get the draft kit that was on fire, and maybe your team is behind. Well, it's not too late. We'll help you out. Waiver wire, stock watch, trades, advice. We got you covered, so make sure you check us out. Of course, DFS, MLB Baseball starts tomorrow. we got great tools, scoutdfs.com. 
uh, lineup optimizer, Slack chat leading up to lineup lock. We still have you covered for NBA. It's still going on. Obviously, a lot of value now with a lot of starters sitting out, players resting. So we got that, uh, PGA, MMA, and NHL as well. So plenty of ways to win at VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs, especially with the NCAA tournament. We're ready to kick off once again tomorrow. Taking a look at some of the news, in case you're just joining us, we talked about it in the last hour. Francisco Lindor now has an ankle injury. He suffered what they are calling a moderate left ankle sprain in a minor league game this week as he was set to recover from the right calf strain. You know, he was pushing to be in the opening day lineup. It never seemed like that was going to happen, but they did place him on the 10-day DL officially. So hopefully the site that I need to move him to the DL will do it so I can put him on the DL tonight. But, uh, yeah, it, look, my immediate reaction was one of disgust. Uh, I have Lindor in one league. It is Tout Wars where I got him at pick 29. I felt the value was too good to pass up, and that was March 5th. Uh, and I've seen Lindor generally go sometimes late first, but generally in the second round. And this, as long as the injury is not serious and it's not a high ankle sprain, you know, maybe it's the you tack on an extra week or two. Again, we're just kind of getting this news now. So if you're drafting tonight, I'm pretty sure he's going to fall to the late second, early third round. Uh, people will definitely react to this news, but it doesn't sound like it is too bad at this point. So Hanley Ramirez, uh, he is going to make the team. Uh, and uh, I'm interested to see what he can do uh, because, you know, last year, uh, he didn't play after the Red Sox cut him. No one picked him up, and he was nothing great. But obviously they need him right now, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I'm monitoring him, and maybe he becomes a pickup in a deeper league. Uh, Aaron Hicks, not good news with him. He's still not cleared for baseball activities. He's taken two cortisone injections in his back. I've always been a big Aaron Hicks fan, and I've kind of backed off him in recent drafts. They'd get him in the great fantasy baseball invitational that was in – late February, and I think it took him in, like, round eight. So that's a hold to start the year. Also, I have Jesus Lazardo in that league. And, you know, that's also the lesson, too, here of, you know, you can't take too many risks on um, injured players because other injuries are going to find you. So uh, it's all right to take, you know, a risk or two later in draft. But say, you know, you, you, you went on Lindor and then another injury guy, and then all of a sudden you got Matt Olson. Now he's on the 10-day deal. Maybe you drafted Susalee. Now he's out for the year. Uh, Andrew Heaney, Severino. So, like, injuries are going to happen. You are not going to escape the wrath of the injuries, and we've seen quite a few already. And that's kind of the lesson there is why you don't want to take too much risk in your draft with several injured players because – Maybe you didn't. You said these are good values, and you, you got two or three injured guys. Now, all of a sudden, you look up, and now three or four other guys are hurt, and now you have to make tough decisions, especially if you, if you have no IL spots because it's now the injured list, which is was something we have to get used to saying. Mets are going to have Pete Alonso start this season on the roster. I don't think this is a surprise. He had a great spring, 368 batting average, which I don't think is going to translate. Not saying 368, no one expected to, but – uh, you do have to worry about him striking out quite a bit, but he had four homers, 11 RBIs, and 71 appearances in the spring. And last year, he crushed in the minors. He had a 975 OPS with 36 homers and 119 RBIs. So uh, I got him in the great fantasy baseball invitational. So thank goodness, at least some positive there. Uh, here's an interesting guy, and I almost took him today. And he's kind of been off my radar, but I've seen over the last week or so he's progressing. Uh, it was a league where we had 
five IL spots. I'm going to talk about this draft in a little bit. Uh, Gregory Polanco played five innings in a AAA game yesterday and reportedly has been feeling good. Now, he's coming off shoulder surgery, which is a little risky. We saw what happened with Michael Conforto last year. He did not have a great first half, but the power rebounded in the second half. But it sounds like he's going to be back by late April. And, you know, if you have a league with DL spot, IL spots, call himself, you could put him on there and you can get him cheap late. Uh, I I just really haven't done it. Uh, it makes sense when you have several IL spots to take a couple of these guys. And I didn't really do it today. Uh, but if they do come down at a cheap price, you can certainly take that shot. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to throw a three-inning simulated game on Saturday. Uh, he's going to obviously open the season on the sideline and probably going to miss, I would think, a lot of uh, April. Maybe end of April, early May is when he returns. And obviously the price has dropped. And uh, I'm just not really feeling taking him at this point. I uh, just have some concern. You know, these injuries have started to pile up. And, you know, I could turn out to be wrong. And he winds up being a, a really good buy, but someone that I don't have any part of right now. Uh, we talked about Fernando Tatis starting the year. Very interested to see where he goes in my draft tonight. Uh, and uh, also Vladimir Guerrero has already started doing some hitting drills. You know, obviously he'll be back, uh, I would think, by the beginning of May. Uh, Julio Urias, we talked about him. Four perfect innings is that he four strikeouts. And uh, I think he's someone that you're going to want to target if you still have a draft or if he's on waivers and yeah the innings are going to be a concern but let's not worry about that he's starting the year in the rotation we'll put him on our lineups early on we'll figure it out whenever they decide what to do obviously i think you know he'll be in the rotation to start and we'll see how quickly you know kershaw and rich hill come back uh if he is rolling maybe they keep him in there maybe they decide to put him in the bullpen to limit the innings going to be interesting to see what they do with him uh, Corbin Burns is another name to keep an eye on late in drafts. Another good outing yesterday, three and two-thirds innings with five strikeouts. I'm intrigued. I haven't taken him yet. And I I, just, I didn't like this guy with the Yankees just because I didn't think he was a good fit for the ballpark. But I, I'm interested to see what Michael Pineda can do. He's always had a good arm. I think mentally has been the problem for him. He's a guy, if you see him early in games, if he doesn't have his good stuff, he's just done. And... That's what makes separates the top-tier pitchers from the rest of the guys because every pitcher is going to go out there, regardless of who you are throughout the year, and have four or five good outings. Every pitcher is going to have a couple bad outings. But you know, a guy like Jacob deGrom, you could see it. There are times he does not have his A game. He doesn't have his best stuff. He'll still manage a way to get through six innings and a lot of three runs and keep the team in the game. Pineda is a complete opposite. If he doesn't have it early, he's done. But now moves out of Yankee Stadium. Uh in that ballpark in Minnesota, which is kind of fairly neutral and maybe slightly towards the hitters, the last uh, look I did. But he struck out seven yesterday, allowed two runs. They were home runs to Daniel Murphy and Arenado. So keeping an eye on him. I haven't drafted him. Uh, he's probably available in 12-team leagues, and he probably should be for now. 15-team leagues, people probably take him in the reserve round. Uh, here's something that's interesting as well. Sandy Leone was put through waivers and claimed he's going to go to the minor leagues, which means Lake Swihart is the backup catcher, and the guy can hit. Uh, I'm interested to see how many at-bats he gets. Actually is not a terrible number two catcher in a 15-team league. You're going to be like, well, he doesn't start. Well, if you get towards the end, there's a lot of those guys that are going to platoon or not give you good numbers. If Swire can get in there two, three times a week 
and put up decent stats, it might be better than a lot of options at the number two catcher. So definitely, certainly something to keep an eye on. I want to talk about a little bit about a draft that I was in today, 12-team league, daily league, 5 by 5 roto league with the typical categories. I had pick 11 in this draft, and you know, I was hoping that Ronald Acuna would four or Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich actually went at nine. Um, so it started out Trout, Betts, Arenado, J.D. Martinez, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, who I thought might actually fall too with the news, but I guess people realized he would be good to go opening day. Then Ronald Acuna, Max Scherzer, Christian Yelich, Alex Bregman, and I went to Grom. Uh, I felt like there were a few bats that I wanted there, and it easily could have started two bats. But Degrom at 11, I think, to me, is the right call. This guy, not just last year, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last several years. And maybe people outside of New York or the casual fan didn't realize it. Uh, he's only 30 years old, and he just took it to another level last year, which obviously I don't expect to repeat. But I, I don't see any reason why he can't have a two-and-a-half ERA. He was at 1.70 last year. But, you know, he came up in 2014, 269 ERA, 2015, 254 ERA, then a 304 ERA in 2016. 2017 was 353, but that was a year we saw a ton of home runs. And actually, the outlier for his career, he allowed 28 home runs that year. I mean, look at the home runs allowed in the other years. He allowed 16 homers in 191 innings in 2015. How about last year? This might be the best stat for DeGrom. In 217 innings last year, he allowed 10 home runs. 10. Think about that. For a starting pitcher, 10 home runs. So he just put it all together. He just got paid. Uh, and, you know, he had a 0.91 ERA uh, whip last year. He had a 0.98 in 2015. So he's done this before. Uh, I think the level we saw last year, obviously, is the ceiling. But I think he can come close to what he did last year. He doesn't allow a lot of hard hits. And, the Mets improved the offense. The one thing he did not get last year was run support. I give uh, credit to all the people who voted for him. I think in years past, he would not have won the Cy Young Award with 10 wins. People looked at wins too much. But when you look at every other number that he gave you, just dominant. And he has back-to-back -back seasons of 200 innings, three out of the last four of at least 191 innings. So for me, DeGrom was the right call there. I was hoping Judge would make it back or Trevor Story. They both went on the turn. Judge Story on the turn. And uh, decided to go with Bryce Harper. I think this might be the first time I own Bryce Harper this year. So that was part of it. Harper is a guy that I've owned quite a bit in the past. And there's definitely a, a, a weird mix of what Harper can do. But in that ballpark in Philly, I think he should he can easily hit 35, 40 runs. I mean, he had 34 runs last year. And a lot of people look at that as a down year. I don't know where the steals are going to be. They've been all over the place, but he can get to double digits. And the average is the big thing. I mean, if Harper can get me 3-3-10, it's going to be a big boost because I think as we go through this draft, average might be the weak link here. I'm hoping I don't see the 249 and 243, but that's the thing with Harper. We've seen his average all over the place throughout his career, but the counting stats should be there. It's a great lineup, so decided to go with Harper there uh, on, the turn, on the turn. So started off to Grom Harper. Round three in this draft, pitchers were kind of devalued. We saw only two starting pitchers go in the first round, three in the second. And Trevor Bauer made it back to me. And if this was a 15-team league, I would have easily taken him. And he probably would have made it back. But I just said, okay, everyone else is kind of pushing pitching down the board. So 
Maybe Bauer makes it back. I'm going to take a bat. So I went with Reese Hoskins. So another Philly. So this is a Mets fan drafting Phillies. But Hoskins, another guy with Harper in front of him. All the traffic in front of him. McCutcheon, Segura, Harper, Hoskins. Uh, I think that'll be the lineup to start. Uh, you know, Hoskins had 34.96 last year. Only hit 246, but he's got immense power. And in that ballpark, the improved lineup, I mean, he could drive at 110. He could hit 35, 40 home runs. So uh, he's also got outfield eligibility right now. He'll get the first base eligibility at some point as well. So I went with him. Was hoping on the comeback to get Bauer or Marte. Nope. Once again, Team 12 takes both, man. Bauer and Marte. So uh, I could have went Carrasco. I could have went with another pitcher. But again, seeing it as the way the room valued it, I almost went Adalberto Mondesi because I don't have any Mondesi. And, hey, what if he hits? Uh, what if he gets 20 homers and 40 steals? It would be a fun player to have. But I decided not to deviate too much. So I went with Cody Bellinger. Guy's got first and outfield eligibility. I think can hit 30, 35 home runs, steal 10 to 15 bases. I think he's better than what he showed last year. Probably not as good as he showed his rookie year where everyone was hitting home runs, but like Bellinger for the fit on this team. So uh, those were the first four rounds. So I come away with a lot of power, a little bit of speed. You know, Harper can get 10 to 15. Bellinger can get 10 to 15. But I like the start here of this draft. So I'll continue to talk about it in the final segment. But when we return, I'll be joined by Sean Childs of ScoutFantasySports.com. He's also one of the top high-stakes players around. He's in the NFBC Hall of Fame. So you want to hear what he has to say. That is next here on Scout Fantasy Sports. Game time decisions. You know, it's funny when you fill out these uh, these brackets and I'm in a $100 uh, cash lead. You know, I got to take a chance here. I got to take a chance there. When you when you look at your bracket after the first weekend, I'm thinking, man, man, I was really pushing it getting Cal Irvine into the Sweet 16. Kind of pushing it. At least they won a game. At least they won a game. Yeah, they buddy. did. They did. They did. But I don't get, like, bonus points uh, for that. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build the optimized lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ron is here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check us out, scoutfantasysports.com. If you have a draft tonight or the rest of the week, we got you covered with updated rankings. If not, we'll take you throughout the season with strategy, fab articles, stock watch, two-star pitches, all the content you need, and you can ask your questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. Use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. And one of the persons on the site providing content and advice, it is one of the best high-stakes players around, and NFBC Hall of Famer Sean Childs from ScoutFantasySports.com. Sean, what's up? Adam, it's 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 go time for these fantasy teams. Yeah, uh, it's been a lot of uh, strenuous times drafting. We put our teams together. I got one more draft tonight, and then time to set lineups. I know, are you still out in Vegas for the uh, NFBC? Yeah, I got a couple of small drafts today, and then uh, I'm pretty much done. So how did the NFBC leagues go? Did anything catch you by surprise? Did you uh, put together the team that you wanted? How did the drafts go out there for you in Vegas this week? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing was this year is that, you know, you had those lead pitchers, you know, that pitched so well last year and the Coles and, you know, the Groms and, you know, the other pitchers. But they, the amount of money that they would pay for these guys in auction leagues was totally insane. And, and even I was in the AL auction uh, league on uh, last Friday, and they almost treated an AL auction like it was a main event for the NFBC, trying to get two bases and, and not paying for bats. And when the AL has you know, not enough offense, and they were just slamming pitching, and it's just, it was interesting. And the, I think in the diamond auction, the last one, um, Scherzer went for 47, and the ground went for 45, and like I said, it was the paying for pitch, and the pitching moving up, and all the sleeper Corbins and stuff, they were getting pushed, you know, 13th to 16th round, and you know, fancy players were really willing to place their bets on pitching this year. I know you typically, at least some of the auctions I've seen, you like to go with stars and scrub. Is that what you did, or did you adjust because of the prices of some of these pitchers going so high? Um, in the AL auction league, I, I went in figuring Trout would go high. I'm not going to get a big bat, and I paid for Correa. I ended up getting him for 32. But then I structured it down. After that, I actually did a pretty good job. I got some length in the hit batters, and I think I didn't pay over $26 for anybody else. And, you know, got four or five $20 players, but – I couldn't bite on the pitching. I took Severino at $17, figured he was, you know, almost maybe half price what the other guys went. And then I, t- I said I knew I was in, in trouble on uh, the structure of the team, so I made sure I added D. Gordon to be good in s- steals, and then I purposely added two closes, which I tend to fade. So, like, if I was good in saves and uh, steals, then I just tried to get out with, the, you know, the, the back-end pitchers that I like for a couple dollars, and I really didn't spend more than $4 on any other pitcher. pitcher but most think that looks bad, but I did get a lot of talent as far as names, but they need to perform up to my expectations. Drawn by Sean Childs. You can find him scoutfantasysports.com. And one of the big stories that we saw yesterday was the Padres having Fernando Tatis Jr. start the year with the team. He has not appeared in a AAA game yet. Uh, he was a guy that was going around 17, 18, 19. If you're drafting tonight, where's the appropriate spot? to draft him or do you feel like there'll be someone in the room that maybe overpays for him because we all know seeing some of these rookies come up and explode uh people want these guys on their team now uh, yeah i would figure he would go from 10 to 12 tonight i've been 100 sure um i was fortunate to uh the first week in new york i was willing to take a lot of the young guys and I actually end up with sensel um uh tucker Batiste and Bouchette on the same team. 
and I needed one of those players to play, and I thought I needed to pick up somebody on the waiver wire, so I had Tatis fills that gap. But he's a guy that's very, very, very talented, and, uh, you know, he, if he's going to get a chance to play, um, it could be very exciting, but he also could struggle with strikeouts out of the gate, maybe need a little more time in AAA. But um, 18th round or later, pretty good pretty good buy because you can probably cover it. But if you move him to the 10th or 12th round, you, you need that player to be good, to, you, know, you know, starting out the gate. Yeah, and I think that's very important for people to understand. It's price and what you pay, you know, and you could take that risk in those later rounds. Now you push him up the draft board and you need him to produce early on unless you're fortunate to get a value later on. You mentioned Nick Senzel, and it was kind of odd that the Reds, once they had the Scooter Jeanette injury, didn't bring him up and say, okay, you know what, let him play second base uh, and you know, let him go there because they were having him learn the outfield and, and hoping to get him in center field. And then, of course, he hurts his ankle in the minor leagues. How much do you think this pushes him back? Do you see them saying, okay, now you're healthy, you're going to have to stay down in the minors and learn the outfield? How do you think this changes the value of Senzel right now going forward? Yeah, I, right now, I don't think he'll be back before May 15th. He'll, you know, like you said, it'll be a couple weeks to recover, a couple weeks down there, and, and does he get out of the gate well? And what's the team look like, you know, you know, in the beginning of May? So I would think middle of, middle of May, I would hope for earlier, but, you know, the recovery of injury will be key. Talking to Sean Child, ScoutFantasySports.com. Uh, I know you have most of your drafts done, uh, but who do you think was a player that, people were undervaluing a little bit too much in drafts this year. Someone that maybe fell and for some reason, whether it's coming off an injury or there was something in the spring that they didn't see, but like who's one of the one or two players that you saw in drafts that really fell that you think is going to turn out to be one of the better bargains this year. In the main event, I was interesting to see that um, it was difficult to build your team. Like after the, say the eighth round to get the right structure of uh, the base dealers you know, in the outfield, maybe Austin Meadows was a guy that could be a 15 to 25, 30 steel, stolen base guy. But he was like a young guy that was an upside. But everybody else, if he took like an Eaton, you know, maybe, you know, 10, 20-something. But there was really the right player. So I thought that people kind of dismissed um, Tim Anderson. You know, he seemed like he was progressing. You know, he got, you know, from 17 to 20 homers, pushed his steals to 26. His minor league resume showed more speed. So if he could be a... 2030 guy, I thought he was an interesting piece to the puzzle, and I know people stated his batting average was hitting like 240 last year, but in the minors he showed a lot more, he made better, he had a higher, lot higher contact batting average, so I thought he was an interesting out if you were trying to make up 30 speed steals or so later, and he had a wide range thing. Most people just wouldn't take him in the NFBC, and I, I saw him go in the 11th round, and you know I, I, the first draft in New York, I wanted him in the 8th round, uh, you know, coming back to me from the front, and that was the only league I got sniped, and the guy actually took him in before my pick in the seventh round, which he was right because he wouldn't have got him because I would have got him one pick before he thing. But everybody else out here kind of dismissed him and, and you know viewed you know viewed the batting average as risk, but not seeing he's a young guy that could improve. So he's a guy that I, I kind of got tried to get on a lot of teams, and I think he'll be a, a nice player, especially if he can move up in the starting uh, in the lineup for the White Sox. Well, maybe that team had your cheat sheet and they were following your rankings and they're like, okay, he likes them. I got to take them now. So that's the one risk you have when you put all your information out there, isn't it? It was interesting because that draft, I was sitting in C4 and I was taking Trey Turner. He was in C3 and he took Turner and then he takes Anderson when I wanted him. I'm like, what is he on? But then he took Meadows later on. So, you know, I knew that I was going to go to Scherzer, but like it was just made an interesting because now I had to, 
take a totally different path and try to get out in speed from what I was saying. And, you know, a lot of times when you're doing that drafting, you know, when you start to freelance and you don't have your game plan, you can get it wrong a lot. So you have to make different decisions. So that, you know, that draft, I, uh, you know, had a lot of detours and, um, I don't know, like I said, I end up with a lot of young guys, but I have a lot of, you know, you know, really good outfielders up front. So I think it came out okay with Scherzer and I cheated the second, um, you know, it's pitcher a little bit back, but I think it'll be okay. But, uh, you know, probably not good enough to compete for an overall. Uh, you mentioned you took Luis Severino. You've taken some of these young rookies. So people will say, wow, he's pretty aggressive. But is there a time to be aggressive? Like, how do you consider yourself as a drafter? Uh, is it just knowing when to be aggressive and when to take those shots and, and not do it early on in, when you're filling your base? Is that how you would characterize the way you draft? Yeah, it's, early on, it's building team structure. You know, if you draft in New York the first weekend compared to the second weekend, you don't want to move players around too much. You want to get a feel and try to, you know, be able to read the player pool. And then after you see the first draft, you're going to make some adjustments, you know, see who's moving up, who's moving down, and who really who you really want. So as, you know, the next draft that you do, you probably get a different draft position, but you're going to shift a couple of guys that fit your plan up a little bit, and then you're going to try to finesse some. And a lot of times, I think it's probably in the, when you get to around 9 to 15, a lot of these drafts, there's probably always you want like four guys in one pick, and your timing in those over those rounds are key for finishing your team. And I know for sure my last main event from 13 to 17, I took the wrong path. I needed to take a starter and move somebody up, and I chose to just move up a bat because I didn't like what the other options were, and that put me behind in pitching. But if I, would, if I took the other path, the rhythm would have been better. And I think that's, like I said, most drafts, it would come from 9 to 15, but in that particular draft, I was doing fine until 13. So, you know, the timing of it, feel for the inventory. Um, I really disrespected ADP when I was doing it more, you know, I have them listed in a certain order. I use that the scout fantasy score when I rate the player a little bit to help, you know, where I think they should go. And I, I think it always works best once we're, you know, the last draft or so. You know, take the best player available that fits your team structure while understanding how the draft flow goes as well. Talking to Sean Childs, ScoutFantasySports.com. He participated in a lot of high-stakes leagues over the weekend in Las Vegas. What was your plan of attack with closers this year? Obviously, it seems like few are reliable. We know there's going to be constant changes. What was your plan of attack with closers and drafts this year? Uh, most of them, I wanted to get one of the top six or seven. If Josh Hader made it to me in the seventh or eighth round, I was placing my bet that he could be – you know, a really electric guy with the understanding that even if he didn't get the job, he would be helpful um, more so in a, in a, you know, the league format than in overall. But I would also, by taking a hater, I would be able to take a, I would try to get another option in the top, say 17 rounds or 18 rounds and try to get a third closer. So even if he didn't work out, if he was a part-time Said that I had the right structure and then throw a few more darts in the uh, thing. I mean, I locked, I thought, I still, you know, we don't know what's going to happen once they play these first couple of games. I, you know, took shots with uh, Kyle Edwards, and I thought Trevor Rosenthal was a good uh, good flyer, you know, with Doolittle having a history of being, being an injury, and he kind of struggled a little bit in uh, spring, spring training. But, you know, it, it, a lot of those times of those backup closers, it's just when they get the opportunity and does another one uh, present themselves on the waiver wire. Hater is very interesting right now because you know, we all thought, or the rumor was, that they would sign Craig Kimball. It hasn't happened, and Corey Knable obviously potentially could miss the year. I wonder what they're going to do. If Hater gets 
the majority of those save opportunities. I mean, this is a guy that should be going higher on the draft, don't you think? Yeah, he should be. He would be if he was if he was the name closer and he had it all year. He, he should be the number one closer drafted. I mean, it's pretty clear cut to me. But so I mean, I, it just. Uh, but people are you know leery of him and don't know what to make of him. Not enough saves, and I think I, I mean probably can reference back to um, when Papelbon the year that he with the Red Sox, he was kind of like going in the eighth round, the high stakes market, and you didn't know like is he going to be a starter or is he going to be in the bullpen and get a chance at saves. But he ended up being the closer, and he was a really, really good pick. So, you know, if he, like I said, if he fit, if he's a closer, he's a difference maker. Yeah, I agree. If he was the closer and we knew that, he'd be the number one or reliever off the board. I, I agree with that. Chris Paddock is a guy that we have seen completely change in his draft value. I did a draft early March, got him in round 23. I've seen him in the high-stakes market the last week or so, go round 10, round 11. There's a lot of excitement for him. He's going to make the rotation to begin the year. What is your outlook for him? Is that a price that is just too high to pay, that you're kind of paying for full value and he might not get there because of innings? Or are you intrigued with his arm and you would take a shot depending on what is on your roster at that point of the draft? I think, I think like you said, 13th round, I mean, 23rd round was the – you know, a fair price point early on uh, when it appeared he was making strides where he might get the rotation around 18 was probably a good good value to put him on. Then it became um, everybody kept jumping him up. Next guy gets him 17 and 16 and everybody won him. But he's a difficult guy because I, I don't expect him to pitch much more than 135 innings. I mean, San Diego would like to be better this year. I don't expect him to be uh, a playoff contender or a World Series contender for a couple more years, but they need their young players to develop at the same time. So there's no sense of uh, pushing him to be, uh, you know, a heavy inning guy when they're not really really ready to win this year. So I think he's going to give some good innings. He's going to be intriguing, but I would probably prefer if they thought they were going to be stronger this year, San Diego, is to, you know, start him out of the gate, maybe slower innings and maybe try to have him have more value at the end of the year. But most teams, they, uh, you know, don't do that in the uh, Major League Baseball. So, um, 135 good innings. Um, the team should be improved, and um, you know he, he, he's going to be productive. He's just not going to give you enough. One of the big spring battles, which we still don't have an answer to, is Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon in Colorado. Obviously, Hampson was going higher in drafts because of his upside and steals. Did you draft either guy, and how do you think this situation pans out for the Rockies? I, I didn't end up drafting. I like, uh, like Hampson a little bit better. Um, you know, McMahon came on a little late. He, he got pretty good respects in draft, and I, I was like, he was getting drafted as a starter, and the other one was getting drafted as a starter. So I think they're both in a tough spot. I think they're going to platoon a little bit, and one guy, the, the skill set of the base dealer offers more intrigue to me, where the second base, you know, position with, you know, more of a strictly power guy, there was a lot of um, opportunities in the draft for that kind of skill set at second base, so I would have faded him a little bit. But he you know, I, I just avoided the situation, but I think, you know, either one of the players could be very intriguing if there was only one of them. I know last year you were writing consistently about Adalberto Mondesi as a pickup, and hopefully people listen because he was a difference maker down the stretch last year. How did you attack him in drafts this year? He obviously went third, fourth round. Was he someone that you were in on, and did you land him in any of your drafts, and what's the outlook for him this year? I did not land him in any drafts because I was – uh, I got Trey Turner in one. I wanted to structure my speed in a different way. And I, I just, yeah, I like his skill set. I think he's going to be able to produce home runs and steals. But as an early piece of the puzzle, I wasn't willing to take the batting average risk 
and I wasn't convinced that he was going to probably hit the top of the order out of the gate. So until he takes a few more walks and improves, you know, his uh, you know ability to make contact, he has a little bit of risk. But I think, you know, as a player and what he can offer to a fantasy team, he is going to be a value. But I just tried to go a different way. How about Eloy Jimenez now that he's starting the year with the White Sox signed to a contract? Uh, you know, he's a guy going eighth, ninth round. Was he someone that you landed, and what's the outlook for him? I, I was very intrigued with him, but it was touch and go. You know, sent to the minors, wouldn't pay him. I mean, they kind of early to me. But you thought when he sent him to the minors that he would potentially slide to the 12th or 13th round. He just never made it to the round when I felt comfortable to add him to my roster. But, you know, the power should be there. Um, batting average could be a positive, and the only key for him is, you know, can he stay healthy enough to, you know, be productive to match some of the top players getting drafted in the inside the top ten rounds. I would, I would like to have owned him, but I just wasn't in the right position. I know you might not know offhand, but can you give us an idea of all the drafts you've done? Who are a couple of the players that you seem to wind up with on several of your rosters? I wanted um, Bellinger on as much as I could. I only got him on one of the main events. Four was a guy that I wanted. Um, I just thought he was a you know huge power for a second baseman, uh, going to hit him better when I had some speed. Um, I had career with a bounce back. Um, I, I thought I wanted you know Robbie Ray. I did him as a breakout pitcher. I only got him once. He, he was tough to get, but I just you know his skill set was interesting. And I actually thought Baumgartner would bounce back this year. It wasn't really a target, but I thought he was a value within the drafts. Well, I, I agree with you on everyone except Robbie Ray. Just not a fan. We'll see who's right at the end of the year, but. Uh, it's always sucks when we disagree, but we agree on a lot, and that's good to know. Sean, thanks for the time, and good luck in your final drafts. All right, thanks, man. Again, Sean Childs, NFBC Hall of Famer. You can check out all his work, projections, scout scores on scoutfantasysports.com. When we return, I'll wrap it up looking at my draft from today here on Scout Fantasy Sports. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings use coupon including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-625-4922. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Fantasy. 
I really don't get into too much with uh, I'm an old timer, so I like to go with you know Frankie's always joking, saying, "Dad, you got old guys, are you guys are senior citizens." Have you been mad at no? some Bumgarner guy then? No, I like Bumgarner. <laughs> he's been doing really crappy the last. Hey, he's like, old though. Like, like, there was five rounds in a row where he kept saying, "Oh, Ryan Braun's still there. I want to take Ryan Braun." Like, <laughs> yeah. You could get him later on in the draft. You'll be all right. I mean, I'm not really into heavy into like the rookie kids. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Again, find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. And with all 30 Major League Baseball teams playing tomorrow, it's time to swing for the fences playing Daily Fantasy Baseball with DailyRoto.com, who is looking to make someone their eighth millionaire winner. If you are playing MLB DFS on DraftKings or FanDuel and not using DailyRoto.com to help set your lineups, you're doing it wrong. Enter promo code FNTSY for a special discount, and you'll get lineup alerts and weather updates, fantasy projections, and the use of lineup optimizers that has already produced millions in winnings. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at DailyRoto.com. Use promo code FNTSY and get your special discount today. Uh, going to wrap it up here talking about a draft that I did today. I know some of you might have some drafts or maybe there's some player evaluation that I can help you with here. I got one more draft tonight before the season begins tomorrow. Well, we already have two games in the books, but before everyone else opens play tomorrow. So uh, the draft I was referring to, 12-team league, 5x5 five five Roto League. It's daily format, which does change the strategy a little bit, although there's only weekly pickups. And it is 5x5 five five, uh, Roto with average. So started this draft from the 11 spot. Jacob DeGrom, Bryce Harbour, Reese Hoskins, and Cody Bellinger. Round 5, I, th- I was hoping potentially maybe a good arm would make it back or Daniel Murphy. Because with the way my team started, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of want to you know, start thinking about average uh, with Harper being such a wild card. And again, Harper could you know, hit 320, 330. It's possible. But he could also hit 250. Hoskins, a 250-260 guy. Bellinger, maybe 260-270. So, again, not too worried about it, but it starts to enter your thought process. So, Murphy went early in the fifth. You know, Patrick Corbin was gone. Jack Flaherty went one pick before me. Uh, So, I looked at it, and I said, all right, there's a couple pitchers I like that could make it back. So, took Gene Segura because I already had a lot of power. Now, I get some more speed. Segura's going to score a ton of runs. Now, the Phillies lineup is subject to change right now. What I have seen for tomorrow, Segura is going to hit two in front of Harper and Hoskins. Look at that, man. I already got Segura, Harper, and Hoskins, man. Got a root for the Phillies. Well, I don't. I just need them to score runs, but I want them to lose games as a Mets fan. But again, this is uh, not with your heart. We're trying to win here. So Segura is a guy that just kind of helps across the board. You could see him you know, hit for more, a little bit more power in that ballpark, too. And not that I'm expecting... Big-time power from him. Really, I want average runs and stolen bases from him. And uh, I should get it from uh, Segura, who obviously moves to a really good spot now in that ballpark. Uh, the best ballpark he has played in. You know, obviously, he was there in Arizona before the Huberdor in Seattle last year. But really good spot for Segura. You just got to hope that they keep him in the top of the lineup. I would think they will. But I could see Kapler, especially if they slump, kind of move things around. Segura is a guy, I guess, that is capable of kind of moving down. But, you know, he gives me good average. This is a guy that's hit at least 303 straight years. Uh, last year, 304. Again, not elite power. He's got 120 homer season on the resume, uh, but 91 runs last year. I mean, he could get to 100 this year, and he's got at least 20 steals every year since 2013. So this is kind of just 
piecing it together here. Shortstop is deep. I don't really like to get one early, but when it is deep, that means there's plenty of options, so I'm not going to pass one up. So I thought Segura was a good fit for this team. And then I came back and went with Jose Barrios, who I like this year. I actually have him in quite a few leagues. Uh, I had him last year, too. Obviously, the home road splits are pretty bad. But here's the one thing about Barrios. People will be like, oh, American League pitcher. That AL Central is terrible. He'll get to face the Royals, the Tigers, and the White Sox. And, yeah, they have some bats in that lineup. Obviously, the Royals have some speed up top. I like the Tigers with Castellanos and Cabrera and good Roman Candelario. But across the board, these are not lineups that are threatening. So getting to pitch in that AL Central in some of those ballparks I think is an advantage. And I really like the Twins this year. I think their over-under number in Vegas is too low. I've seen like 83. I will take the over on that. I do think they still have some questions on the pitching staff, but I could see this team being aggressive and making some moves to bolster the pitching staff. Uh, round seven, I came back and I was happy to get David Dahl, who, you know, I, I, some 15 team leagues I'll take, you know, round six. So Dahl to be there. Uh, I actually have him quite a bit. I just think that he can have a breakout year. And, you know, this is where the round where I'll take a shot on that. Uh, if he doesn't, it's not going to crush me because I feel like I have a good foundation. And obviously, injuries can change that. But Dahl had nine homers, 26 RBIs in September last year. And no one will be surprised at the end of the year if we look up and we see David Dahl with 3,115 steals. But people are like, okay, yeah, that's not surprising. He's a top prospect. Plays half his games in course field. The reason why there are some people who will not draft him is the injuries. He's had a ruptured spleen. Uh, I think it was a... Is it an ankle? I forgot what type of injury he had last year. That missed him time. He's hurt so much. He's had so many injuries. I forgot what it was last year. But he is capable of putting up immense numbers. So as my third outfielder, I will definitely take a shot on him at that point. So uh, Dahl in round seven. Jonathan VR in round eight. Uh, a guy that I really like that I think could finish as a top five second baseman this year. We've already seen VR have a huge year a couple years ago with Milwaukee, and then he disappointed. But when he went over to Baltimore last year, they let him run wild, and he's going to probably hit two in this lineup. And in Camden Yards, you know, he can get 15 home runs. He can steal 35, 40 bases. Uh, now the RBI's runs won't be great in that lineup, but I don't care. I'm getting him pretty much for the speed and, uh, you know, kind of a – a cheaper Whit Merrifield with less batting average is the way you could look at it. But uh, we saw 2016, he had 19 homers, 62 steals. I don't even need 62. I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, he could get to 40. I don't, I don't see any reason why he can't. So, you know, had a lot of power early on. Uh, now get some more speed. Uh, round nine went with uh, Matt Chapman, third baseman for the A's. A uh, guy that's been hitting two in the lineup. Uh, I think he could provide good power, solid average. Uh, so I like getting him in that spot. And then round 10 finally came back uh, with my first closer off the board. You know, you kind of read the room, see where they go. And uh, they started to go pretty late in this one. Round 7 is when the uh, first closer was taken. Edwin Diaz, then Blake Trina and Kenley Jansen. Round 8, you saw Osuna, Felipe Vasquez. And then um, Aroldis Chapman, Brad Hand, Doolittle in round 9. So picking on the turn, you go, okay, you know what? If I'm going to get one, it's probably going to be here. So one with Kirby Yates, who, uh, to me, pretty good job security there. was good last year, and I think the San Diego uh, Padres are going to be a good team. You know, I see them finishing second in that division. Uh, round 11, there were so many guys I wanted for pitching. Uh, there was – I, I went, wound up going Shane Bieber because I don't have him anywhere. So I decided, you know what? I'll take him. He's had a great spring. He – 
doesn't walk many guys, should keep the whip low. He's looked really good this spring. So I wanted to have an opportunity to uh, get him on one of my teams. You know, I thought about Eduardo Rodriguez, went a couple picks later. I really like him, but I do have him in a few leagues. Pavetta was there, who I do have. So decided to go with a player who I don't have yet in Shane Bieber. Round 12 came back with Domingo Santana, who I have in a lot of leagues. Probably the player, he might be the player I own most. I have him in Tout Wars. I have him in the GST League I did last week. I did not get him in the NFBC auction. Um, but, yeah, I think I have the GDD auction I did in New York. I have him. Uh, so I have him in quite a few leagues uh, and a couple draft champions as well. So a lot of Domingo Santana this year. It has nothing to do with the two games in Japan where he hit the Grand Slam and stole a base. Was drafting him before that. So uh, all in on Domingo Santana this year. And then round 13 came back with a, another pitcher and took Tyler Glass now. You know, there's definitely going to be a learning curve with him, and uh, he probably will have some command issues at times, but he has such a dynamic arm. We saw him cut down on the walks when he went with Tampa last year. So in round 13, I'm definitely going to take the chance on an upside arm like Glass now because if he can put it together, you could see elite numbers. So I've written about him this season. And in round 14, you know, there was only about four or five catchers off the board, and this is a league where you got to start two catchers. So I said, you know what? Now is probably the time, and in these 12-team leagues, there's just so much talent on the board, and you're like, it's really tough to make these decisions. But I wanted to get, at a reasonable cost, at least one good catcher. And to me, round 14, Wilson Ramos is a good cost. He's going to hit in the middle of this Mets lineup. He's always been a really good hitter. So uh, decided to take him in there. Around 15, I uh, got sniped. With uh, the two previous picks, I was looking at Chris Paddock or Hunter Strickland. They both went right before me and didn't love any of the other potential closers on the board. So I said, let me go with Max Kepler, a guy that I've written about quite a bit. Uh, wrote about him as a breakout. Uh, looks like he might hit leadoff for a little bit, or at least to start the year. That's where they used him in the spring. But Kepler showed major strides last year. He improved against left-handed pitching. He cut down on the strikeouts. He improved the walk rate. He hit more fly balls. He was at 46%. We just did not see it translate into the surface stats. I think we do see it this year. I think he's capable of hitting 30 home runs. And the Twins showed confidence by signing to that contract extension. So really like Kepler in that spot. Round 16, I went with Matt Barnes for the Red Sox. I'm assuming he's the closer. He looks like the favorite. We're coming to the point of the draft where... We're to the crappy point of the closers, and this is a daily league, so I like to have quite a few relievers, and I like to load up on pitching, pile up the strikeouts. I know some people in this draft went the opposite, where they went heavy relievers to keep the ERA whip down, uh, but I decided to go uh, in a different direction. Uh, but I had one solid closer in Kirby Yates, and hey, if Matt Barton gets the job and gets it done, it'll be a good pick. If not, uh, I'll just move on. So, you know, there were a lot of other players on the board I liked at that point, but Went with Barnes. Round 17, uh, two picks uh, before me. I was sniped again by Joe Musgrove. I really wanted him. Finally did get him in my home auction on Sunday. He's a guy I've written about extensively that I really like a lot. Wrote him as a fantasy pros. Had asked a question to some of the experts about a player that's just not getting uh, enough uh, love in drafts. And for me, my answer was Musgrove. Uh, so I would have liked to gotten him here. I mean, round 17 is just an absolute bargain for a guy. He throws a ton of first pitch strikes. He'll keep the whip down. Uh, it's about staying healthy for him. I think he will. 
Uh, but I went with Kenta Maeda. I mean, I was surprised he fell around 17. I mean, again, I like a lot of the Dodgers pitching. I have Maeda on a few teams. I've had him over the years. He keeps the whip low. And, yeah, he might shuffle between the rotation and the bullpen. But give me 150 good innings. He'll get strikeouts. Uh, good team. We'll be in position to win. So I was really happy to get Maeda around 17. I mean, I thought about him a couple of rounds ago. Uh, round 18 went with Jorge Polanco. This was a guy that I loved last year, and obviously he had the suspension to begin the year. Uh, he's probably going to hit potentially second in this Twins lineup. Maybe they move in the leadoff at a certain point. But when he came back last year after the suspension, he had six homers and seven steals in 77 games. Batted 288, as I mentioned numerous times. I really like this Twins lineup. He's going to be in a good spot, likely between Kepler and Rosario. Uh, to get him in my middle infielder, I think he's a guy that can go 15-15, maybe the potential for more. So really like getting him, and it goes to show the depth of the shortstop position. Round on 19, Hinjin Ryu. I don't know how he fell this far. Every other league that I'm playing, he goes way higher. And I'm sitting there like, is there some news that I don't know about? And I understand Ryu is an injury risk. Don't get me wrong. But when he was on the mound last year, he was good. And this is a daily league. Again, uh, I can... Just put him in there when he pitches, and I know he's going to miss time, but I'm prepared for it. But to get what he can give me in round 19, uh, nice value there. Round 20, I went with uh, Steven Matz. I think there was someone on the board that – oh, no, there was someone on the board. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it. I was kind of looking down my cheat sheet. It was on the next page. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy's still here. Fortunately, I did get him on the next turn. That was Matt Strom, round 21. Matt Strom does not go in round 21 anymore, and – Part of this is knowing the draft queue, and he was way down in the RT Sports ranking. And if people are just looking at the queue, you tend to forget things. And this is why I always have my cheat sheet, the rankings that I have on ScoutFantasySports.com, so I don't miss anything because there are going to be a lot of guys buried in the queue. And this way I just cross off names, and I'll circle some guys that I'm interested in. And fortunately, I caught it in time. I'm like, Matt Strom. Now, look, I know Matt Strom's another guy that you have to worry about innings, but he's been dynamic in the spring. He's got excellent stuff. His last outing, six strikeouts over three innings. And again, it's a daily format. I'll take him in a weekly. I took him in Tout Wars round 25. And uh, Straub has definitely moved up the high stakes market going a lot higher. But I uh, love taking him in round 21. Round 22 took Trevor May. I know Rocco Baldelli came out and announced that they don't have a set closer. I think Trevor May is the best arm at the back end of that bullpen. We saw it last year when he came back from injury. Now, there is concern. Rocco Baldelli is a disciple of Tampa Bay, and we've kind of seen how they use those pitchers, and maybe he has the same strategy there where it could be, you know, Blake Parker who has some closer experience, uh, Rodgers, who was really good last year. But I decided to take the shot here. You know, he could potentially be maybe my third closer. If not, and he pitches well out of the bullpen, he can help my ratios uh, since this is a daily league. So I'm hoping – he does get the job. Round 23, uh, we talked a little bit about this guy in the first hour, Dr. Roto, and I'm not sure why he's slipping. I guess it is the crowded outfield there in San Diego, and people are just worried how many at-bats is Hunter Renfro, and I have him in a couple leagues. I just think there's big-time power here. I mean, he has the ability to hit 35 home runs if he gets consistent playing time, and it's round 23, so I'll take the shot. It is a daily league. If he doesn't get the consistent playing time, uh, I'll figure it out. Obviously, in a weekly league, it might be a little frustrating early in the year, but I still think he's going to get an opportunity to play every day early on, so we'll see if I'm right or not. Round 24, I wrote about this guy as soon as he was traded 
from the Yankees to the Reds, Sonny Gray. I mean, I think he's being undervalued right now for where he is going. I know the Reds' home ballpark is one of the best hitter parks for home runs, but Sonny Gray's a guy that keeps the ball on the ground. I just don't think he was a fit for New York. Go look at the home road splits from last year. He was awful at Yankee Stadium, solid on the road. He's had a very good spring after that elbow scare. I don't know if that's still lingering in people's minds, but he's fine. He's thrown 10 innings in the spring, I think one or run. Good strikeout to walk ratio. He's reunited with his college coach. Really likes Sonny Gray late in drafts. Round 25 and one with Nico Goodrum. Guy right now that has eligibility at first and second in this format. Some other leagues he has more eligibility. He's going to play all around. I think people were probably worried about his at-bats once they acquired Josh Harrison, but he's going to play. He'll play a little DH, first base, some outfield. They'll move him around. And, you know, there's a guy that can hit 15, 20 home runs, steal 10, 15 bases. And, you know, the days he's out of the lineup, it's a day of the league. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, round 26, Willie Peralta. I don't know who's closing in Kansas City. They really haven't announced it. Uh, Brad Boxberger isn't that good. I don't think Peralta's great either, but he did convert all 14 saves last year. And, yes, Kansas City might not win many ball games, but it's round 26, so I'll take a shot. Round 27 took Jeff McNeil. A uh, guy that can hit for some good average, little pop, can run a little bit. And right now he's going to get playing time for the Mets. We'll see what happens when they get healthy, when the Jed Lowry, Todd Frazier comes back. But I'll use him for now as long as he's active. Michael Walker in round 28 definitely stunned that he fell this far. He's had a good spring. I know he doesn't have a lot strikeouts, but I'll take him. Uh, he had a real good start to the season last year before getting hurt. And then closed it off uh, with, with the exciting pick of my second catcher. In uh, Tyler Flowers, obviously there wasn't much left there at the catcher position. So overall, like the team, might be a little bit light and average, but like the pitching, speed, power. So uh, let you know how I got, how I do before go, how I fare throughout the season. That wraps it up here. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern. We will have live baseball going on. We'll keep you posted. We'll have Steve Renner join me through the show to get you ready for the 4 p.m. slate in DFS. Baseball is here. We'll. T- tomorrow it is scout fantasy sports here on the fantasy sports radio network